Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 158, recorded on Tuesday, October the 25th, 2022. That is Tim. I am Bub. You can't see us, but you can hear us. And on tonight's episode, we take a look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe special presentation, Werewolf by Night. Tonight, the hunt decides house rules. It is every hunter for themselves. And those who do not survive will be honored appropriately. Tim, happy Halloween week almost with Halloween falling on a Monday this year. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, I've already been to a couple parties and a trunk or treat. We've got another trunk or treat coming up and potentially one. It's just Halloween to me used to be one night. That was it. Now it's trunk or treats at school, trunk or treats at the city. Uh, parties it's out of control tim it is out of control it has basically become the entire month of october i was just about to say rachel ran her you know youth group halloween party last night for for her church and then um we got some parties this weekend and uh yeah it's weird with halloween on a monday especially if you don't have kids because actual halloween where we live we won't get any trick-or-treaters at all so halloween will be over for me by you know sunday (laughs) afternoon well, it's not a bad thing, Tim. It's not a bad thing. No, I no, mean, I mean, listen. Definitely has turned into like a week-long holiday, though, for everybody, especially now this year that we're out of the pandemic and stuff and, and everything's kind of back totally to normal. So, so before we get to the news, I know that there's an elephant in the room that Andrew is very upset with us because we didn't do a themed episode this year for Halloween. So I'm going to give you two good minutes. What is your what are your what is your or Rachel's favorite Halloween candy and what's your least favorite Halloween candy? Uh, favorite Halloween candy? I gotta go with the classic Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Yeah, I mean, everybody. Not, I mean, not ma- the little mini foil wrapped ones, though. Right. I want the, like, actual the flat disc shape one. Yep. Yeah, uh, And also, I feel like that's the only candy that they haven't shrunk as they've shrunk the fun size, because it'd be way more noticeable if that one shrunk. <laughs> Very noticeable. Uh, and at least favorite, I don't think this is an unpopular choice, uh, Good and Plenty. Why they're still oh, selling God. those little cardboard boxes of good and plenty in, in 2022 <laughs> to be handed out to children? I, I have no idea, but uh, miss me with that. All right, I'll be honest. I'm I'm a sucker for a hundred thousand dollar bar or a hundred grand, whatever. Hundred grand, yeah, yeah. Love a good hundred grand. Um, for me, I, if if I never see an almond joy or a mounds bar ever again, it'll be too soon. But uh, I do agree. I think I, if we had Andrew on the show, he would tell you that Whoppers are the worst candy ever made. Uh, we have had many, many a time discussing the finer points of Whoppers versus Milk Duds versus the new Charleston Chew Balls, which is a whole nother sector of candy. There it is. There's your two minutes on Halloween. Tim, what do we have for news this week? couple items uh big surprise today dropped out of nowhere blizzard beach is reopening um i know we had speculated on the show that maybe this was not going to reopen for quite a while see a full overhaul 
Uh, but I think Disney is just seeing uh, crazy, crazy crowds right now. And uh, they want to uh, have a park open when uh, a water park open to kind of try to diffuse them a little bit when uh, Typhoon Lagoon is going to be down come you know January or February for its annual uh, refurb. Uh, Blizzard Beach is coming back with some light frozen theming. It looks very classy and uh, minimal, but uh, I, I was initially apprehensive when uh, I saw the news that frozen theme didn't want this to secretly been turned into the frozen water park. But it looks like just a sprinkling um, around in, in a really nice way, and uh, I think it's it's a it's a good thing. Uh, are you a are you a Typhoon Lagoon guy or a, a Blizzard Beach guy? So I, I'm a Typhoon Lagoon guy, and it's not a it's not like this runaway. I just think Typhoon Lagoon is more classically designed as a water park. Uh, I will tell you though, the first Disney water park I ever went to was Blizzard Beach. Um, when these two guys were open and then we did go to river country or before it closed. But I will say that blizzard beach for me, when it, it was brand spanking new, uh, one of the times we went and, and we went and it was, it was really cool to see that concept. I think frozen works. I was with you though. If it was going to be like an Arendelle, uh, summer, you know, whatever retreat, I, I don't know that I would have enjoyed it as much, but the little touches do seem like they're done in a way that is just kind of character driven and not, over the top so i'm here for it yeah i'm I'm also a typhoon lagoon preference guy um but i gotta say and i know i've gushed about it before none of these parks really can touch volcano bay and there's nothing disney can do to either of these parks to bring them anywhere close to that level they would really need to either build another new water park or or completely level one of these and rebuild it I mean, uh, we've said it before. These two parks don't even compare really to Aquatica over at SeaWorld. To right? Be yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're really just there to get the however many people they can out of the mm-hmm. parks. And I think nobody's buying day tickets to these parks at this point. They're entirely off the back of Park Hopper Plus tickets. Yep. Um, yeah. So Blizzard Beach is back uh, and with some Frozen theming. So check that out. Uh, another big piece of news. We'd already talked about this on the show. We'd gotten the announcement that Fantasmic was returning. Uh, we now know when it's returning. It's going to be November 3rd. So literally next week, uh, I think people are really, really excited about this. Um, I have a hard time celebrating this because, frankly, it, it's kind of ridiculous that it, it took this long for it to come back. And Hollywood Studios, even with Galaxy's Edge, even with Toy Story Land, uh, you know, is not the most robust park. So if you're going to spend a whole day there and then not get to cap it off with the large seated nighttime spectacular, that is fantastic. It feels like maybe you weren't getting your money's worth out of a a Hollywood studios day, especially if you have limited days at the theme park and no park hopper. Um, One tip I'll give, I think they're all sold out for the opening week for obvious reasons. Um, I don't haven't seen any concrete details on how fantastic is going to work as far as GD plus and reserve seating and any of that stuff. But uh, they are offering um, the dining packages again, and at least the initial prices, I was shocked. Uh, it's all the you know sit-down restaurants at Hollywood Studios, and the prefix menu was pretty much right in line with what you'd be paying at all those restaurants anyway. So if you were going to Hollywood and Vine for the uh, character dining or 50s primetime or any of that stuff uh, – Definitely see if you could snag one of these Fantasmic dining package dinner reservations where you go, 
Um, you have, uh, you know, I, I believe it's a three course meal with a beverage included. And then uh, you are given uh, a, a ticket to have reserved guaranteed seating for Fantasmic. So you don't need to deal with the hustle and bustle, the seat saving. And you can, you know, ride Tower of Terror, ride Rocky Roller Coaster, that stuff right up until, you know, it comes time to get seated in the Hollywood Bowl Theater. Get in there and uh, have great seats for Fantasmic, especially if you're planning on eating dinner in one of those places anyway. Um, last but not least, a little bit more nighttime spectacular news in proving that Harmonious is truly a cursed and uh, unnecessary nighttime spectacular. Uh, what was it, earlier this week or late last week? I think it was late last week. Um, maybe like Wednesday, Thursday last <laughs> All week. All the days are running together, Tim. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh well, the fireworks launching barge for uh Harmonious caught on fire. Luckily it was after the show. It was uh it seems to have been like the spent launch tube. It was one of them caught on fire. So um oftentimes fireworks, fires, um technologically they've gotten a much better place where if there's a fire on a fireworks barge, the whole thing doesn't go up. But uh, no one was hurt. It was, uh, you know, very quickly contained. But there was a burning barge um, for the guests to see as they exited out that back uh, international gateway exit of. Uh, but it was a nice Epcot touch to end, the, to end the night, Tim. A nice touch to end the night. Here's a little bon. Here's a little bonfire for you. You know. So, uh, Bo, I know you said Halloween talk over, but I feel like this is this is our kind of our Halloween episode for sure. Definitely a Halloween. I think Disney considered this you know, the, the, the cap on their Halloween Disney plus content for this year. So it is funny. We did kick around the idea of doing a Disney plus show. Talk about Hocus Pocus two, which we never really touched on and werewolf by night. And they had the new Mickey mouse special, the new Halloween special. It all came out late September, early October. Uh, but yeah, I, I think when we were talking about quote unquote, a Halloween episode, Werewolf by Night just seemed like a very obvious choice to have that conversation. Uh, for me, though, before we get going, because it's been quite a week for Marvel, we did get, like, you you broke the news a couple weeks ago on the Marvel schedule changes. That actually got officially kind of put out there by Marvel with the new concrete dates uh, with Blade moving to September of 2024 and moving kind of everything back after that. So, Tim, we got to talk about one in particular that I think low-key is becoming the most consistent of the MCU trilogies, MCU stories they're telling, and that is the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer dropped. Uh, yesterday or, or, or over the weekend, I, I, this 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 past weekend or, or yesterday, is Ant Man like low key becoming one of the most consistently told stories in the MCU? And is it because they don't take it too seriously? Like I think that's the key for Ant Man. I mean, I don't I don't know how low key it is. It, it certainly is the case. I mean, um, my I, I've been very public on this show about how I had Marvel fatigue a lot sooner than most people. And I'm very selective about what Marvel content I consume because I just don't really can't make myself care about most of it. And there's just frankly too much of it if you consume other media mm -hmm. in addition to the MCU stuff. Um, but Ant-Man and the Wasp, th those are two of the Marvel films that I've, I've seen and actually seen multiple times. Um, and for me, it, it fills that same niche as uh, Captain America and Winter Soldier. Uh, the Guardians movies, the it's it's some of the Marvel movies that can stand on their own as a film. 
that you don't need to care about it because it's a, a building block to a larger story. And even if it's a mediocre movie, it's it's the essential lore to figure out why when the next big Avengers thing happens, why the events of that movie are taking place. I mean, they're just genuinely good movies with genuinely good and in the case of, you know, Ant-Man series, extremely likable and, uh, you know, actors with, you know, great pedigree and presence. Uh, I mean, of course, they're going to be good. And it seems like this one, certainly the the, the trailer, Marvel has gone all out. I mean, um, yeah, the, the quantum no realm I mean, they, shots, they didn't pull punches here. Yeah, very much on the same level as the later Avengers movies, Black Panther, you know, that that level of CGI, that level of sets and uh, visual effects and stuff. So I, I think yeah. this is going to be a hit for them. Yeah, I got to tell you, outside of maybe what I think Guardians 3 could be, I, I honestly think that Ant-Man is, is weaseling his way into best contained trilogy in the MCU. Because if we're looking at Iron Man, Iron Man, the original might be my favorite of the Marvel movies, that first one that went that Paramount made that you had no idea what you were getting into at the time, but those tailed off. I just, I digress. This is not about Ant-Man tonight, but I am very excited. I thought the trailer was very, very well done. And we got another trailer today, shockingly, which, and Tim, I might be wrong here, but I noticed a change in Guardians of the Galaxy's Christmas special that it is now too under the banner of the Marvel special presentation. Is that something that they've added or was it always supposed to be a Marvel special presentation? I, I don't, I don't know. We've only gotten the still shots of the logo, the month, the year, then the month, you know, right. as, as this thing's been in the works for, for a very long time now. Um, that said, it, if it fits the same mold of the, the, you know, our main topic tonight, Werewolf by Night, yeah. I think this Marvel special presentations, Banner, if, if this is something they continue to use in the same way as Werewolf by Night, I don't think I'm giving anything away when I say both you and I were very, very impressed with it. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a a great avenue for them to go down to tell Marvel stories that, one, don't need to be a two and a half to three hour movie and also don't need to be six one hour episodes when right. we also are going to have eight one-hour episodes of Star Wars TV and HBO is going to have House of the Dragon and and, and Amazon is going to have Lord of the Rings. There's just too much TV. So if you right. could tell a 45-minute story, an hour-and-a-half-long story, and put it on Disney Plus and have it be really quality and have great actors and have great camera work and have sets and have something that pulls you to that uh, to, to that property, then, then I think this is a great way forward to, to get people to actually watch this Marvel stuff that aren't extremely entrenched in the Marvel ecosystem already. I, I did love the the Kevin Bacon. I, I just watch the trailer, everybody. It's fantastic. And if you if you're familiar with Guardians of the Galaxy, you'll understand the references we made yeah. there. With that trailer having just come out today, I don't want to really spoil anything. Great trailer. Guardians holiday special looks great, but this is James Gunn's return to Disney after all yep. the, the unpleasantness a couple of years ago uh, now being resolved. So it, it looks like they're giving it their all. This looks awesome. It, I, will, I will be it, watching this on the yeah. you know Thanksgiving and, when it comes out. What is that, that Thanksgiving night or, or uh, Thanksgiving weekend? It might yeah, be Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. yeah, so – all right, that's the little house cleaning we had to do, because um, we're going to talk a little Marvel tonight. We're going to talk about Werewolf by Night. Tim, right off the rip, what were your initial thoughts of Werewolf by Night? Because 
I, my initial thoughts were I loved it, but I want to know what you thought because we haven't talked about it much. I, I actually had a really specific initial thought, and I think you of all people are going to kind of understand where I'm coming from. Why is Universal not doing this? Oh, please. Don't Universal get, yes. owns the back catalog to the Classic Monsters. Why are they not capitalizing on taking and making a beautiful digital 4K, yep. but black and white, but with modern film techniques, with pops of color to, to bring it in? Yep. And making something that has the feeling of a classic monsters movie, but is engaging and um, holds the attention of a modern audience. Like this had all the feelings of the best of the universal monsters uh, and it, it was not universal. And it's crazy to me that universal hasn't even tried to do something like this. I will tell you from right from the opening title with the Marvel title, I, I was hook, line, and sinker. I will tell you, Meg didn't love it, but she doesn't love the Universal Monsters, so it, it translates to me that she didn't love this. As you know, and if you've listened to any of our 158-ish episodes at this point, you know that, as Tim said, I adore the Universal Monster movies and universe, and Tim, you're absolutely right. Think about the money. Not the money, but think about what they would print if they did a creature or... Frankenstein, just just a 55-minute self-contained story. Because that's what we're talking about, Werewolf by Night. It is a 55-minute, self-contained, easy-to-watch special is what it is. It, it is it is perfectly done. I, I love the I love the idea of the hunters and all their kills and, and how that's the house rules we mentioned. I I love the entire concept. I don't know that we're here tonight to break it down scene by scene. So I will say that if you haven't watched it yet and you're a fan of the monster movies from Universal Studios, go ahead and watch it this weekend. I'm probably going to give it a rewatch one of the nights this weekend to get in the spooky time feeling. And this is probably the yeah. least Marvel of any Marvel Correct. thing that falls under the umbrella of like that was made by Marvel Studios. You right. you do not have to give one care no. about Marvel. No, you don't. This this is not about superheroes. It, it actually um, the character Werewolf by Night that is literally the name of the character that this is about. Um, Jack Russell. It was a comic book character who was a werewolf. Uh, it was one of the earliest American comic book characters. Uh, Marvel picked him up in an acquisition in like the 1940s, maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually he was introduced in kind of into the mutant slash X-Force slash Deadpool type stories throughout the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. But um, he's made appearances, but very much so, this is from the age of horror comic books, and right. it is played straight in that world. They they don't go out of their way to introduce any of those X-Men or X-Force characters um, in this. So if you just want to see something, if you're a fan, as Bob said, if you're a fan of the Universal Monster movies, this is really going to hit those notes for you. I think another thing we have to talk about with initial impressions is... The scoring and sound design was amazing, oh, and sure. I didn't realize going into this, this was yeah. directed by legendary film yeah. composer Michael Giacchino, right. so that makes sense. Like, the, by far the best yeah. part of this is For the sure. sound and the score, but it makes perfect sense when you see that first credit hit, and it right. says, directed by Michael Giacchino. Right. Yep. I, I, I love the tie-in with the Bloodstone family, too, and the Bloodstone there again. 
it, we're not going to get deep into the lore of the characters tonight. That's not what we're about tonight. But I, I just love the way they tied. I, I didn't really have a complaint with it. I mean, there were things I might have done differently stylistically, but at the end of the day, I had no complaints. Um, Tim, fairly well received, too. I mean, it, by all accounts, one of the most watched uh, Disney Plus entities in its first week of release. Why was this so well received? And and I think what it benefits from is the fact that Jack Russell, like you said, is basically a D-list Marvel character. You didn't need to know anything about it. So it's a very easy, compact, 55-minute watch compared to the other Marvel stuff, Tim, that has been coming out since Hawkeye, not Hawkeye himself, but post-Hawkeye, ha- hasn't been nearly as well received as what we got from Werewolf by Night. No, I mean, I think I think it's the same thing. It's Marvel fatigue. It's needing to know all the intricacies of the lore or having to watch it to learn all the intricacies of the lore so that some movie that comes out in late 2023 is going to make more sense to you or you're going to be able to notice the the little details in that movie, whereas this really operated as a standalone. Um, you're not kidding about the the well-received. It It's sitting right now, I think, at a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. and um, – a universal acclaim in the professional critics section of Metacritic. I mean, this may actually be the highest critically acclaimed Marvel property period in, in, in over a decade of Marvel releases. Yeah. I'm not sure how it works, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Emmy nominations when the Emmys come out for Werewolf by Night. I don't know if it'll be like a... They do do some of the special categories that made for... So I I, I honestly see an outside chance at, you know, like you said, maybe a sound design type thing or something like that coming their way. Because technically it was, per, it was a beautiful black and white film to watch as well, just the way they did it. So Oh, I, I think it'll be... I think it's actually a shoe-in for the Emmys simply because the category it's competing in is no yes. longer a big category on broadcast TV, the the one-off special that's not a movie. I mean, that right. category ends up usually being weird weird stuff anyway. So to have a critically acclaimed cinematic piece in there um, with excellent sound and technical direction, you're, you're going to end up with some nominations at least. So I'm going to jump. You've seen the list of questions we have. There's only five or six questions. We wanted to keep it pretty light tonight. But for me, there is only one character we really honestly need to talk about. But I'll ask you because, you know, you know, you're, who was your favorite character in this? Because there was one thing about this is there's a not a ton. There's six ish main characters that you're going to watch in this hour special. And Tim, if it's not Ted, I don't know that we can do this podcast anymore. I mean, I think I think it was great to see Ted in there. Um, I think it was great because to me, at least it looked like. It was, it was a practical suit. It was yeah, not. It, a, it was a, man thing from the comic books. Man. Yeah, it, it, it was. Crazy. Yeah, it was absolutely. It was not like a reinterpretation. Um, uh, I, I have to say, though, I really liked um, the Bloodstone family character. Yeah, that's fair. I think Carlo was really, really well played. I think Madame Bloodstone was really, really well played. Yep. Um, uh, Gael Garcia Bernal did an excellent oh, job God, as Jack God, Russell. God. I mean. Great actor. I mean, hopefully this means we'll see him maybe when we get down the road more towards the mutant stuff. Which, interestingly enough, Tim, is going to be where we're going to go next and might be the meat of this conversation. Because after the success of this special presentation banner that they had with Werewolf by Night, there is rumor and innuendo out there 
that the standard operating procedure for introducing the mutants to the MCU is going to potentially be driven by these one-off specials. So with that in mind, let's let's armchair design this a little bit. Let's say that Kevin Feige wants to do individual X-Men specials. Which character from the X-Men would benefit most from this type of special? I um, have one in mind that I think would absolutely benefit from it. So I'm interested to see. No, I mean, I I, I think it's Gambit straight up. He was, he was sadly gone over completely by um, by the, the, the Ratner films and, and the subsequent X-Men films in the Fox universe. Um, I have no idea why he was the heyday of the X-Men in the 90s. He was one of the most popular X-Men. If, if you weren't a Gambit kid or a Cyclops, or if you weren't a, a Wolverine kid or a Cyclops kid, you were a Gambit kid. Yeah. I myself was a Gambit kid. He's by far my favorite yeah. X-Man. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really, really hope that Disney is planning on using him in their X-Men future expansion of the MCU. And I think by far... Because it's a blank slate, because you could do Gambit as a comedy character, you could do Gambit as the romantic, you could do Gambit as a badass, or, you know, all a little bit of all of them, which is, is probably the best way to write him. I think introducing people to Gambit in the Gambit one-off down taking place in, you know, New Orleans, Louisiana, Mississippi, those type of areas, the bayou, uh, I, I don't think there's any other choice. No, there is no other choice, but since you, you, in fact, hit every note I was going to talk about with Gambit, because that is the only character that I think needs this, I will say that I do find the idea of telling Storm's story this way would be kind of cool. I don't know if you need to. I feel like she's super popular, and she's already existed in so many different variations in the the X-Men film universe that I don't know if you would need to, but I I would dig a Storm one-off only because, again, it, it has to be Gambit and then everybody else after that. It, it 100% has to be a Gambit property. So in that vein, though, Tim, if we're going to discount the X-Men, are there any other Marvel properties that we're looking at that deserve this type of one-off treatment? I instantly thought of, like, Blade might benefit from something like this, um, but then it kind of becomes it's a very similar style because of what Blade is. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think Blade's gonna need to benefit for something because who knows if the movie's ever coming now? Which big disappointment there for for right. for us. We've talked about that, right? Um, I think for for me, and I think maybe it's just because of the season and where we're where we're at. Just getting off this special, I would love to see this format come back around next year this time, yep. uh, and do a uh, similar kind of treatment with um marvel zombies and then instead of being yep. an homage to um an homage to the uni classic universal horror uh either do it as homage to night of the living dead or the dawn of the dead movies and then you can uh because jack russell werewolf by night has been a character in the marvel zombies universe you can kind of bring him in kind of like they did with man thing in the last you know quarter the last couple minutes of the special mm -hmm. and then that gets you to your your next one you know the following year or um you know if you want to do marvel zombies further in uh, the mcu I, i'm not sure if that's on the slate but marvel zombies is very very popular in the comics yeah. world and the collectibles world so yeah i i, I think that's a, a clear choice for me 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I wrestled with this quite a bit because I, I think, like we said, it, Blade will be my biggest disappointment if they if that never sees the light of day, which I think isn't a real possibility, but I think it's more of a possibility than it was a month ago when they lose their director, they lose the writer, you know, how long are you going to... Yeah, they yeah. lost a lot. I mean, how long are you going to keep Masha Hara Ali on on retainer, as it were, for lack of a better term? Like, is he going to stick around and keep his schedule open? He's an Academy Award winner twice over at this point. Is Does he need this in his life? So I worry that Blade, because I feel like the Wesley Snipes, at least Blade and Blade 2, are, are really fun movies. I feel like they would do a great job with that. Um, I, I think you got to look at, like, the villains. So you look at Deadpool 2, a guy like Cable, who kind of just shows up, I feel like Cable would benefit from something like this or or, or even a lesser, like uh, some of the Spider-Man villains that are out there that we don't see a ton of. Like a Craven the Hunter one-off would be, I think, really fun to see. I would love to see some of the villains. And, and again, if we're going to make this a yearly, you know, every Halloween thing, you could, I mean, you could write these for years with the amount of characters they have in the MCU. So, or in Marvel in general. So, I I think it's something that I personally love the concept of what they did here. So I'm looking forward to see what I, happens. I unfortunately have kind of a monkey's paw curls thing for your Craven the Hunter. Um, I, I don't you must have missed this, but um, the team behind Morbius apparently oh, no. has been able to you Craven the Hunter is a another oh, no. Spider-Man villain that's never been on the screen, meaning that Sony can use him and as long as spider the word spider-man isn't said it doesn't have to be a co-produced so there is a pitch that's been green lighted now for a craven the hunter movie by the same team that did morbius so uh yeah that's gonna get ruined and also disney's not gonna be able to use it so nope oh there we go i mean i would be down i listen give me a sinister six movie then just give me a sinister six movie at this point then that's all i'm looking for sony if you're listening just just get it out of the way. You're going to disappoint us regardless. So it, I, that Spider-Man conversation is another conversation for another day. But his rogues gallery is one of the best in comics. Legitimately, probably second only to Batman in terms of a rogues gallery that he has. For the life of me, that's what we get with Electro. Electro is a great character. I love Jamie Foxx. That's what we got for Electro, and how many versions of the Goblin? I was pumped when we got Vulture. I mean, I I thought I was excited about Vulture, and Michael Keaton was fantastic, as he normally is. Actually, he's criminally underrated. But I even liked Lizard. Like I I his vi- Spider-Man's villains are so out of this world good that you could make villain movies. I, Paul Giamatti as Rhino, though Tim, we're not going to talk about Paul Giamatti as Rhino. No, I mean, and the other thing I was wondering is he has so damn many of them. Like, right. when you say the Sinister Six, that can mean right. something different to every Spider-Man fan you say because there's been so many different iterations of it, and there's not right. a ton of constants. Uh, you know, they really switch out. It's just always six villains at, at a time. And they're right. all super, super comic booky villains where they have, <laughs> you know, a, some kind of evil and tragic origin story and some kind of outrageous, you know, an obvious power or, you know, modification to their body that is kind of usually summed up in one word. So, yeah, the Mar- the, the Spider-Man villains, it's a, a great rogues gallery. It is. And it's funny because you look at Sam Raimi's trilogy 
and what he tried to do in the third one with Sandman and Green Goblin or Hobgoblin or whatever Goblin again, and then Venom. He tried to do too much in that movie, and that gave us emo Tobey Maguire dancing to, like, My Chemical Romance in the middle of New York. So, I mean... I, Tim, did that scene speak to you in a way? I just have, I just wanted. It, it's just an all-time film scene. You gotta, you, you gotta respect so, it, man. So, so once again, we obviously had a little fun there. We we went on a tangent as we are wanted to do, but a nice short episode this week. We're we're already at our final question. So for me, it's funny. Megan and myself have been watching. Uh, we watched She-Hulk, and I, for one, enjoyed the hell out of She-Hulk. I didn't take it too seriously. I thought it was a fun show. The, the, the finale was a little bit screwy, a little bit out there, but I won't spoil anything for, for people that haven't watched it yet, but it, it's a little bit out there. But, Tim, for me, Werewolf by Night falls somewhere between Hawkeye and WandaVision in terms of best MCU product on Disney Plus right now. Where does it fall for you on the Disney Plus exclusive stuff? Uh, yeah, no, I also... Um... You know, we've we've spoken really highly of 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 Hawkeye, of yep. WandaVision, and of Loki on this show, and that's kind of my my tier one of, of Marvel Disney Plus content, and uh, that tier is inhabited by the shows that I've finished and have been able to get all the way through, right? Um, which I've started all of them, and I finished very very few of them. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, this is clearly up there. Um, I I think um, WandaVision is my number one. And uh, this this might be number two. Uh, that yeah. probably has some recency bias. I'll, I'll give it a rewatch and, and see if it holds up yeah. in a little while. But it's certainly a, among the best of the things that um, have been produced for the the streaming service by Marvel Studios. And uh, I, I assume it'll remain that way for quite some time. Yeah, um, yeah there, there's just a lot of lot of bad stuff that there or too much stuff, right. and it's maybe mediocre that they've put out there. So. I'm going to shock the world here, Tim. Even though Megan and myself are dressing as Wanda and Vision for Halloween with the boys, I go WandaVision at three, Werewolf by Night at two, Hawkeye at one. I had no idea I was going to enjoy Hawkeye as much as I did. And we, there's a reason that we're making this joke here, guys, that the listeners, because when we did our, our Marvel character rankings, I Tim had Hawkeye like number two because he knew that Andrew and myself... We're not going to rank him. And Noted Hawkeye haters. <laughs> so, but that show hit every note. And WandaVision did too. So it, it's very tough. Like you said, that's definitely tier one for me. And and I, I think Loki, um, She-Hulk, and What If for that next tier, I did enjoy She-Hulk. I, I want to tell you that the show I was most disappointed in for Marvel was Moon Knight. I, I just, I, I couldn't. And I love Oscar Isaac. I could not get through Moon Knight in, in any way, shape, or form. I could not do it. And it disappoints me because I feel like, hey, fair here, fair reporting, Werewolf by Night number whatever, 28, I think, or 56, it's one of the two, the first appearance of Moon Knight in comics was in a Werewolf by Night comic. Uh, I think it was 28. I'm not positive. Don't hold me to that. But uh, so that's something for you people uh, at home, a little bonus trivia for you. But yeah, man, Hawkeye was a hit and Werewolf by Night was was right there. And I think recency, Tim, like you said, I, I think if I I think if I went back and watched WandaVision, maybe it wouldn't be as good as I think it is. But I did. 
Yeah, I mean, WandaVision did a lot that was similar to this, where it was genuinely creative. It was genuinely a well-crafted right. product. And it also, you could watch it without any previous knowledge of mm-hmm. what it was. I, I think the experience would be dramatically different, but right. it's still, um, certainly it could stand on its own as a product. I just, I mean, I, I can't can't emphasize enough how important it is that this is a straightforward and bite-sized piece of entertainment. There was right. no no need to go on Wikipedia afterwards and be like, oh, what part? What did that plot point really mean? Or or what was that thing? The MacGuffin they were chasing? Be- there was none of that. You didn't need no. to know anything. There wasn't anything that was overly esoteric. It, it, it was just a, a, a simple story told in forty minutes. Um, I think the I think the yeah. runtime is probably under 40 minutes if you don't count the end credits because Disney plus end credits add so much time since they do yeah. all the languages um, after yeah. they do the actual credits. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is something you could sit down and, you know, listen to this episode of the podcast that's going to clock in, you know, right around that same time. Yeah. And and, and watch uh, watch Werewolf by Night afterwards and still have plenty of time to take your kids trick-or-treating. Well, there you have it, folks. That is um, Werewolf by Night, certified Disney guy, uncensored, approved uh, for sure. Um, Tim, any parting thoughts for the listeners, or is that it? Watch it, then take the kids trick-or-treating. Yeah, watch it, then take the kids trick-or-treating. We promised you a quick show, folks. We we are back under the hour. We're back under 35 minutes almost. So uh, be sure to go back and listen to any of our previous episodes. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about any content you hear, please feel free to reach out to us via email or however you get a hold of us. That is it for this week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Disney Guys Uncensored. Uncensored.